Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. By the time our kids are 18, assuming they leave home, 90% of the time face-to-face, you know, time is, is gone. All of the time that you add up after they're 18, you know, holidays, summers, family reunions, whatever, is doesn't add up to more than 10% of the time that we have, you know, in our homes, raising mm-hmm. them before mm-hmm. they're 18, which is just horrible as a parent to contemplate that reality if you love your kids. I know it's really like them. Well, I guess not everyone does. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator Lisa Kosky for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. You're very fortunate today because I've got Brian Burns back on. He's a marriage and family therapist, and he's actually joining us from Utah. He's got some, yeah, kiddos heading off to school. And I was just telling him that I just sent my baby, my baby by far, far, far away to school. Had to go there on a plane. And, you know, that's hard. And, and, In this podcast, we're going to discuss a little bit about that. And so many of my clients, Brian, they're so afraid when they're facing a divorce because they can't imagine not seeing their children every day. So I want to talk a little bit about that. That we're going to talk about a little bit towards the end. I want to start out because I had a podcast and it was with Diane Dirks and Rick Boyles and they were fabulous people. But I feel like Maybe some of my listeners are feeling a little shook up or scared after that episode because they deal with very high conflict cases where people cannot parent together. And they tend to have that outlook of kind of like no one can. And I don't think that's what they mean, but my clients are completely different. My clients care about each other. They care about the kids. It's still hard. And so I want this episode to not only be for those people in a really high conflict situation trying to co-parent, but also for those who can co-parent well together. So just to kind of set the stage, Diane and Rick talked about how to not get baited into a conflict. I think that's important, whether you're parallel parenting, you know, not working really together at all, but just working side by side. And they talked about setting boundaries And kind of just like how to keep that other parent out of your head. And I think that can be helpful. And Brian, I think we've talked about that before, or maybe it was another parenting specialist that I had on about when you talk about your kids with your ex, talk just about your kids. If you need to talk about something regarding assets or the divorce, only talk about that and schedule that. So there is a bit, even if you are getting along well, you do want to keep it a little bit separate. Yeah, for sure. So, and then there was just one thing that that they talked about that I really loved is that they talked about, you know how you can get in a big fight and your kids might be in the back seat and you're fighting with your spouse about, 
the schedule or the trip or whatever it is. They brought up the point that your kids are not going to remember the issue that you're fighting about, just that you fought. Right. So let's go. So now I've given you all this stuff. I want to kind of circle back to how do we not get baited into conflict when we're co-parenting? Even if it's intensely dislike each other or if you're working together, you can get baited into conflict either way. How can people kind of nip that so that it doesn't turn into something? Because it's hard. Well, first of all, my heart goes out to you for dropping off your kid in a state far away from you. I know. I can relate. And it's no fun. It's so good for them, you know, to launch and go attack the world and be in it. But man, that's a tough transition as a parent. This is your last one. So you've been through it before. And I have too. But man, the first time it was like gut wrenching. And it took months for me to just like feel like normal again. And the last time it took a couple weeks. So that's funny. And this one, she was our baby by far. And I yeah. think it was gut wrenching. Just yeah, gut wrenching. So it was and like you're doing it all over again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have family there. She doesn't know anyone. Yes, but she's doing fantastic. So good. Okay. And good. Let, I want to talk about that more at the end. All right. Sorry. I no, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you brought it up because then we can get that out. Your show. Here. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about how do we stop that? Okay. Getting baited. Yeah. Well, first of all, it is really hard to co-parent. I mean, it is really hard to have a functional relationship with someone that has been so unhealthy to you, you know, to, and, and even toxic. So I think being realistic about expectations is, is reasonable. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to do it. And I have some close friends and clients who had marriages that were so destructive and boundaries so poor that they're just not able yet anyways to co-parent in any way that's effective or feels good or, or is very functional. However, uh, that is not everybody. And I have a lot of hope and faith and optimism that the harder you, you know, the harder you try or the more invested you get, the more likely it is to work. So don't give up. Don't give up hope. So you said there are some that cannot co-parent. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. They've got kids. They've got a parent. What do they do? Because you're, you're only 50% of the equation. So you can't choose that the other parent co-parents well right, um, or, or treats you with respect. You can only choose if you act that way. So therefore, not every couple is going to, or parent um, is going to be able to co-parent because you can't be in charge of the whole thing. You can only be in charge of 50% of it. Mm-hmm. And it takes a hundred percent for it to go well. It takes both people, right? That's why. You're saying for these couples that you said they can't co-parent Mm-hmm. So they just do their 50% over here mm-hmm. and then the other one does their 50% over here. And then what happens with the, they just like transfers and yeah, it's like finances. the kids, it's like the kids are on two different, you know, islands and they go back and forth and those two islands don't really interact or communicate, at least from the kids perspective, you know, there's always some kind of back channel stuff going on about, you, like you said, money or schedules or coordination, but there's just not a lot of communication, certainly no warmth, you know, or, or respect. And that happens when one 
or both people just can't do it or just won't do it for their own reasons. Okay, so for my listeners who are dealing with that parent, right? And they, yeah. they would want to co-parent, but they can't. Right, right. Um, and they're, they're probably really afraid about their children. Like, how yeah. are their children going to survive this? So what can that 150% parent do to make this better for their child? They can not feed into it. They cannot be blaming or disparaging or negative about the situation and about the other parent. And I mean, this sounds cliche, but just be the best parent you can be with your kids when you have them. Don't undermine the other home, even though you, you know, it's so disappointing, you know, how the other parent is acting. And that's not about you. That's not about, it affects you. It affects your kids, but it's not in your control. So just be the best parent you can be, which is positive, stable, reliable. Um, your kids can talk to you. They can have their own feelings and emotions, and you're not invading the other parent's space, even if it's at, out of a desire to make it better, you know, to try to get that other parent to, to act better. That's just going to backfire because you're not in charge of them and it's going to trigger them and then that's going to trigger you. And So this has to be a really mentally fit person who is yeah, able yeah. to be their best self. So get coached, get therapy. And then kind of let it go, let it go a little bit. Oh, there's a ton of letting it go. A ton of, of uh, eating shit, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to get really full of that shit you have to eat. Sorry to be crass. But it, it, yeah, that takes a lot, a very uh, strong constitution, a healthy, stable. And back to your, fir- your in- original question, how do you not get baited into conflict? It's the same answer that we're talking about right now. The term in the field is having an internal locus of control, that you are your own boss. Uh, you uh, find your own uh, direction, decision-making judgment from within yourself, and you don't look to other people to define you or to be in charge of how you feel, or to make you feel good about yourself. Having an internal locus of control or an internal sense of yourself, that you're in charge of yourself, is the answer. Because your co-parent's going to say and do things that are like eating shit. And you have to be able to recognize that as, hey, that's about them. You know, I'm not in charge of how they act or how they see me or how they feel about me. I'm only in charge of how I feel about myself and how I see myself. And I think the more you see yourself as your own boss in charge of your own self, then you can remain calm. You can not make it about you. You can accept what you can't change and you can not get triggered in crucial moments in the car, you know, with the kids. You know, and I just, as I hear you talking about this and how difficult this is, the gift in it is the strong person that you're going to become. Yeah. So 50% of the time, your children are going to be with this superb person. You're mm-hmm. stronger than you would have been if you would have stayed in it with mm-hmm. that person. So they can, so I can see that being good for your child. They get to see one person doing it right. And then I, I even think all the information out there about co-parenting can help just you. Like Absolutely. just, yeah. you know, read about how you don't yeah. put down the other spouse because the child's half that person, you know, and just, 
yeah, I guess the gift in it is that you will become stronger, more grounded, and your kiddos get to see that. And I do remember one expert, I can't remember who it was, saying that if your kids are with someone who's really healthy half the time, that's enough. What's your thought on that? I agree with it, not knowing if it's always going to be true. I mean, we can't control the outcome of how our I mean, kids can grow up in stable, intact, loving homes and end up, you know, a disaster as adults, you know, addicted. Right, exactly. Like, there's just no way to predict how it's going to work out. And so everything matters. Yes. Uh, on the good side and the bad side. So do everything you can in your within your control to give your kids a positive foundation to launch from because absolutely it matters and hopefully it's enough. Sometimes it is. Often it is. Right. Okay, so I I love this and I feel like it's kind of I mean it we can talk about letting go a little when we talk about letting go. So you're letting go for them to be with someone who appears to be horrible, a horrible yeah. parent. Yeah. But there's also that in the empty nest thing. There is, you know, there is a letting go. There is, and I know I, I was not perfect, but I did everything. And, yeah. you know, it was yeah. the most important thing being a parent. And now, now you let go. So when you're, and when you're, you know, facing this divorce. And even when your kids are really young, that's, I think when mamas have a really hard time and dads maybe do too, but just not being together every night with their kids. So, so how do people, how do we do it? So there's a letting go in all kinds of different stages. I mean, I'm thinking about one, uh, two couples that I've worked with recently and one client. And oftentimes the other parent, the co-parent is a good parent and the the it's that they're not a good co-parent okay uh, and i'm thinking of one specifically where he just feels so disrespected condescended to by his ex-wife and i think that, that he should i think she is likely condescending and disrespectful and just treats him like dirt he's got to eat a lot of shit from her but i think he would agree most of the time that she's a pretty good mom. She loves her mm-hmm. kids. She does a good job. She, you know, he trusts her to take care of them and they love her. And so it's important to distinguish between how your feelings and how you feel treated and your kids, because it's often, often different. I would say 99.9% of the time that's going to be different. So what I'm hearing is what could be helpful kind of in the letting go yeah. is to remember the love that that parent has for the children. You probably wouldn't be fighting so much. Right. You know, so that's a thought that you can hold on to that's going to maybe help you feel a little better about it. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So how do you let go of your adult kids when they go, when they go to school? I mean, you just you just grieve and give yourself permission to grieve. So there's the head and then there's the gut and they're just different. And in the head, the strategy is remind yourself that it's not about you. Remind yourself that the best parents are, you know, they do let their kids go, that our job is to make it so that they don't need us anymore. And if we never hear from them, which is horrible and not nice for them not to bid over at least text, that we've done a good job, which means they are comfortable being not taken care of and not needing to check in, even though that's painful. That's so 
good for them. That is our job to be not needed eventually. On that point, what has kind of helped me get through this, and I've worked a lot. I actually did a podcast with my coach on this too. And I think I felt a lot of it before she left more than the other kids. I really felt it coming. Mm. I maybe knew that it was coming. But what I do now, because I'd have a lot of sleepless nights, if I wake up and I'm feeling sad, Mm. I go, that's okay. Of course, I'm sad. I love her. Of course, I miss her. I'm sad. And at the same time that I'm holding that sadness, I can start to think about how excited I am that she's actually doing this. Yeah, right. This was a kid that would not leave my side that I coddled to death and it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, yeah. you know, it was okay. And now suddenly she is ready. She is, she's not homesick. She's talking to us and she's just like, she was so ready to go. I don't know how that ever came about, but it did. And she picked where she wanted to go and it's a great fit for her. And there's a little piece in that. So along with the sad, I can feel sad because I think I was running away from feeling sad or not wanting to feel it. But if I just let it, of course I'm sad. Yeah. I can still carry that excitement for her. I mean, that's the gut part, the sadness, the loss, the grief, the emptiness. Like there's a hole in your heart that just... I mean, that'll never be filled. Nope. Uh, you kind of just get used to how that feels. By the time our kids are 18, assuming they leave home, 90% of the time face-to-face, you know, time is, is gone. All of the time that you add up after they're 18, you know, holidays, summers, family reunions, whatever, is doesn't add up to more than 10% of the time that we have, you know, in our homes, raising mm-hmm. them before mm-hmm. they're 18. Which is just horrible as a parent to contemplate that reality if you love your kids. I know. It's really <laughs> like them. Well, I guess not everyone does. Some people seem to handle it very yeah, well. Yeah. And- I mean, when our oldest went off to college, it took me probably four or five months before I felt like myself again. And we have big property, lots of acreage and trees. And I, I came across this tree out in the back that had a, a rope that had probably been up in that tree for 10 or more years. You know, the rope has got some green mold on and it's really stiff cotton at this point, weathered, you know, but, and, and far too small to be safe for a hum, to hold human weight. But it was strung up in this pine tree that had probably grown, you know, 15 feet in the last 10 years. So the gro- the rope was high up in the tree but i knew that my oldest daughter had put it there at some point you know playing around with her little sisters climbing trees or making forts or whatever they was doing and i could i just lost my shit whenever i saw that rope i just couldn't handle it it took months like i said before i could see the rope or just think about it without that emptiness and that's okay like that doesn't mean i was like at the time part of me my head converted that feeling into, oh, you were a bad dad. You wouldn't feel so sad if you had done a better job. Oh, yeah. More, like confident that she, the most prepared and, you know, had all the things that she deserved as a kid. I think that that was just my own grief kind of getting distorted in my head. And mm-hmm. we do that as parents tend to carry shame and self-blame when we don't need to. Yeah. And I got real dramatic. I got mm-hmm. very dramatic about it's the one thing that I've felt this passion. There was nothing that could stop me from being 
a mom. There was nothing that I wouldn't do for them. And so then you're like, oh, now it's going to be empty, you know, that's, and it's, yeah, it's, it is, it is not easy. And it's so interesting, like you, and I have grandchildren now and, you know, my kids, my older kids can understand how I'm feeling. They're like, oh, I can't even imagine, you know, that day coming. And it just kind of like smacks you in the face. Like, I just was like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready for this stage to be over because it, and I have had a child in my home for 29 years. You know, I mean, I've, it has been a long, a long time, but it's not my whole life. Right. Not even half my life. Right. And it's, it's hard to think of what am I going to be like, you know? And so maybe, so I'm thinking too, let's try to help these people who have the young ones and they're getting divorced and they're, they're going to be gone. So let, cause they're going to feel a little grief too. So let's help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's okay. Of course. You're, so be gentle on yourself and don't be afraid to feel it. And at the same time, know that you're doing the right thing because that other parent is important in their life too. So maybe mm-hmm. that can kind of help them get through that. I don't know. I mean, back to that statistic about 90%, you know, like if your kids are young and now you see them even less, you know, 50% of the time, God, that's just sucks. Mm-hmm. So my heart goes out to those parents. And I think what I would say is that this wasn't your choice. I mean, you didn't go into having children, planning to only see them 50% of the time. Hopefully you can say to yourself, I, I did my best to prevent, you know, this from happening, even though it was out of my hands uh, at some point. And if your best wasn't very good, if you're honest, then forgive yourself, you know, like you, you've learned. Here's the acceptance piece. The reality is that in life, we don't get what we want. Some people have, you know, have children and then that child dies at age three or 10 or 16. I mean, that's not fucking fair. Right. Uh, that That's not something you signed up for, but you just don't get to choose how much time you get. That's not how it works. Uh, and, and it's not about you. It's not what you, not about what you deserve. It's not about your rights as a parent. It's about what happens, uh, which is, again, not something you can control. So just being really honest with the truth, with reality, I think is important to uh, it's a privilege to be a parent. It's not a right. Right. And do the best you can with the time that you have, the time that you're given and hope for the best, you know, hope that it all works out. And and often it does. I would say more often than not, more often than not, they don't die. More often than not, they do want to spend, they care and value you and always want to have a relationship with you. Just look at it though, right? So just yeah. see it, like just be mm-hmm. honest with yourself and yeah. just feel it because it won't kill you. And it's hard. We don't want to, like I kept, I think I just kept walking, you know, I would just keep walking around because I yeah. just, I don't kind of didn't want to feel it, but you have to, there, yeah. there's no, you know, you yeah. have to feel it. Your nervous um, system's not going to forget it. Right. And okay. so I think too, to use it as an opportunity maybe the time that you spend with them will be so intentional. You'll actually have better time with them because you're going to be away. You're going to have your time, get your things done, take care of yourself, get refreshed, get with them and be with them. And I think that's what I did those last two weeks before Sophia left. I was, 
I was there because yeah. I knew this is, you know, but yeah. so take that. I mean, maybe that's something that, that people can keep in mind that time that they're going to have with their kids is going to yeah. be even better mm-hmm. than the time when they had them all the time. So more intentional. Yeah. I, I think that's often the case, particularly yeah. dads will be much more uh, intentional and engaged when they're yeah. the only one on scene and they seem to value it more mm-hmm. because it's, it's limited. And I think another tip is to stay connected when they're not with you, uh, but not in a way that makes it about you. So if we're talking young children who are going back and forth to, you know, to message them with kind of fun, short messages that are might be a little bit about what you did, you know, like I went to the grocery store and got some milk and hung out with a friend. I don't know if I'd say that, but you know, just something, <laughs> yeah, something light that, but, but more, you know, hope you had a good day and thinking about you and period. If it's a college age kid, um, I mean, certainly you're hopefully talking to them on the phone every couple of weeks, uh, or a week, but not every day, please. But do, you know, they, I think writing is super valuable. I think that we value what's written even more than what's spoken often because you sit and you read it and you sit with it and you think about it. So write your kids a more lengthy email or text once a week to just help them be connected to their home. I mean, they, they may not act homesick, but they think about it and they value it. And so tell them what's happening in the week in written form. Uh, Again, not making about you, not like Mm -hmm. sounding weepy and needy. Right. But just to be connected, I think that helps you and it helps your helps you feel. Well, like and I'm going to agree that. So in my situation with the college kids, so she does FaceTime me. I started Snapchatting just her and no one else, but I'll just send a picture of the pup, you know, our dog or whatever. And it makes me still feel connected to her. When you have those little ones, we're so fortunate to have all of this available to us where we can stay connected. We can FaceTime them. I mean, what would be wrong with that? Nothing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. No, I, I have one client who his he has I think he has three kids and the youngest is in first grade. And she has an iPad and she will carry this iPad around in his home with mom, you know, on the screen. Just kind of being there to talk about what this the, the little girl likes to be connected with the other parent. She does right. the same thing in the, in mom's home. And it's hard for him, you know, to tolerate his ex-wife being in his house sometimes. Right. And there does need to be limits on when that's okay and when it's not. But I think it's it's so cool that that little girl feels empowered to do yeah. that. Is connected with each parent. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's 
easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the parenting plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. love that. And I think like, that's a great tip. We can kind of close with that tip. I can't believe how fast this has gone, Brian. And we always put in the parenting plan when I work with couples, a paragraph about if the kids want to talk to the other parent, but maybe it's even let's use technology, baby. Let's take, you know, let's, let's do this so that everybody feels better. And I know when my, my daughter, you know, is, is in, states away and she's FaceTiming me, we both feel good. You know, we both feel connected and it's like, it's, it's a great feeling and she's out living her life and still connected to me. And I think your little ones, I think they could really benefit from that. And I'm living it with an older one. I'm feeling it. We're still connected. I'm still her mom. That doesn't end. So I, I love that. I love that idea of, and I think I might even get a little bit more specific and my upcoming parenting plans to really put something in, you know, schedule a time to FaceTime if you can. If that helps your kid, if it's not that, or if they're in high school, learn how to Snapchat. Send a funny picture of yourself to your kid. I don't really understand it yet, but the kids seem to love it. Yeah, 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 totally agree. If there's multiple kids, it could actually help to have the parent that's not in the home do a bedtime story to one of them over over FaceTime. Amen. Yep. There's so many ways that you can get creative and parent well, even if you feel like you're the only one parent co-parenting well, but just hang in there. You can do this. And I've seen beautiful children come out of the most difficult situations. So Brian, thank you so much for being here. How can people reach you if they need to get a hold of you? www.mnrelationshiprepair.com. Awesome. And it'll be in the show notes. So take care. Yeah. Bye, Lisa. Bye-bye. Hey, friends. You may have heard me mention my swan analogy, how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake. Not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe, 
And to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com slash different. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.